0: And the facts is this, boys, there's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side and the truth. Hi and welcome to The Curve Podcast. My name is Andrew F. Pearce and I'm bringing you discussions about Australian films and culture with the people who bring them to life. This podcast is recorded in Bulloo, Perth, Western Australia, sovereignty never ceded. Aussie indie filmmaker powerhouse Heath Davis is back with his fourth feature film, Christmas. This seasonally appropriate flick follows on from his grounded work with the solid debut film, Broke, and which Heath quickly followed up with the black comedy, Book Week, before swerving into thriller territory with locusts. Here we follow washed-up alcoholic actor Chris Flint, the never-better Steve lamarck who's getting out of rehab just in time for Christmas. He arrives at the halfway house run by Nick, a phenomenal term from Darren Gilshanen, only to meet a fellow recovering addict, Joy, played by Middle Kids lead singer Hannah Joy. Together, they aim to make the best Christmas they can, while also getting Chris onto the path of some kind of normal. Christmas sees Heath at his very best, showing a drive and fight for indie storytelling here in Australia that we would usually attribute to that of the American indie filmmakers. There's a sense of honest Australiana at work here as the heat of summer Christmas adds to the drama of day-to-day life. And while Christmas skews towards drama more than it does comedy, it adheres to the Heath Davis mindset of seeing the best in people and setting about to write a film that allows the actors to bring that out in the most natural and genuine way possible. As a trio, Steve Lamarquand, Darren Gilshinen, and Hannah Joy are so completely watchable and engaging that you start to feel like you're at home. Christmas recently had its world debut at the Austin Film Festival, receiving wide acclaim from filmmakers and audiences alike. Now Heath is headed out on the road, like every hard-working Aussie indie filmmaker has to, with the film being received by sell-out audiences. The following interview sees Heath touching on that communal experience of cinema, while also discussing his working relationship with Steve, Darren and Hannah. Christmas is a seasonal treat, and as it stands, it's one of the very best Australian Christmas films yet. To find out more about where Christmas is screening near you, visit the Facebook page for more details. The link will be available in the show notes. Additionally, to listen to other interviews, visit thecurb.com.au. For now, here is a trailer for Christmas, followed by a discussion with Heath Davis. He's an alcoholic and he's
1: just out of rehab. Don't let him leave. Do you want to ruin Christmas? I wonder, Chris, if you've uh, thought about what you will do now. You
0: saw the light?
1: Not so long ago I had a US agent, publicist, manager and now I've got nothing. Nice and close in to Santa. Ready? One, two, three. How are you feeling about going back out into the world? I don't know. I'm probably about as happy as the world is to have me back. Okay? That's for
0: breaking Janice. Janice Joplin, my favourite pop plant. I
1: recognise you from the telly. I saw my daughter today. It's the first time I've seen her in 20 years. Go see her, Chris.
0: Don't waste another Christmas.
1: My daughter's coming for Christmas. We're not serving KFC. She hates me enough as it is. I'm from the house a few doors down and now... um... One, two, three! What the
0: heck?! Dude, you are not special. There are a tonne of messed up people and they come out of the woodwork at Christmas. Joy,
1: please, come on!
0: Just like you flying in and out of people's lives, and you're just too self-absorbed to even notice the damage you cause. Santa, have you had
1: anything to drink tonight? I believe in you, Chris. It's a season for believing. Your presence is seriously the best present I could have.
0: This is going to be the best character you ever played. Santa! And I I guess I want to start off by talking about Christmas films. Australia's not really known for Christmas films. So I'm curious what your desire was to tell a story in a Christmas film space. Yeah,
1: well, it was it come about because I realised that we, um, look, long story short, we were going to make another movie. I had a really, I didn't know I was going to make another tiny movie. We had a really big, really great British actress attached to another movie, Um, had a a a backer. So it was going to be, you know, probably like the Logos budget. Um, Really cool script. I really was connected to it. And COVID happened and everything fell apart. Like a lot of things happened. So during COVID one, there was not much else to do. Um, And nothing felt possible. And it was this thing about human connection that we all crave. We're having these weird social you know, media relationships, and and that's kind of a world now. So I was like, first Christmas came about with COVID. We couldn't see any family members. I've got a couple of little kids now. And so it was really reflective. And my partner, she loves all the bad Christmas movies, like a lot of people do. Um, So I was like, you know what, I'm going to watch them all because I had time on my hands. And none of them resonated with me. I mean, I, I enjoy Elf. I enjoy Die Hard, you know, like but just the essence and the core and the meaning of Christmas. I was like, and the Christmases that I've had, and I know my friends have had, and I'm like, this has nothing to do. I, I don't identify with any of these movies. And I know it's, but you know, they sell the dream and whatever, but there's a lot of people at Christmas that are very lonely and it's a very tough time and mental health issues and whatever exacerbate. And in the last couple of years, there's been more, press around it, especially around booze. Like, if you pick up in December, every, like, major column, uh, magazine or social space, they had this, there's always stories about Australia's um, responsible, con- encouraging responsible consumption of alcohol, like Christmas, and the correlation between mental health being exacerbated in the stressful year. So it all started around that. And I was like, I think there's, a, like, a real, like, story here and if i could just find the thread um i could actually make something so the cat it all starts with character and so i always had this character in my head and steve lamarck and believe it or not his first job out of acting school was as a mall santa claus in penrith at penrith plaza so i always found that kind of funny but i didn't want to make this hokey comedy and it was always in the back of my head and i was like Imagine this guy having to do that, and that's the reality of most like Australian working actors or most actors, to be honest. And then I just, that thread came about. And I, I always love Thanksgiving movies. And I've, I, you're always looking for a device where you're going to bring people back don't want to really can it be together. You know, But you're trying to look for something. And in the US, they use those Thanksgiving device where people come back a lot. And some of my favourite films are set around Thanksgiving. And in Thanksgiving and those Christmas movies, most people sit around at home. Because in reality at Christmas, everything's shut. You're at home. And you're in these closed waters with strangers most of the time. Or even worse, people that you're close with, but you feel like a stranger too. So... Then I was off to the race because I went, I've got a thread here and I want to talk about these themes and I think we can actually do it the way I've done sort of broken Book Week where a lot of this is going to take place in the house and because that's what we do and it's not going to look like we don't have a big budget. It's just we're cutting corners here. And so once that sort of playground, I call it my sandpit, once I give myself a sandpit to play in, I go, this is really possible. And if we don't get a budget we can still make it well b budget so i set about writing it um and i'd thought about it for quite some time and i never actually start writing until i kind of know the first act characters backwards and inside out and how it ends and when i that that happened it became this thing i wrote during
0: covid and it was
1: really pleasurable it was re- it really it was really really pleasurable and um, and then people connected to it, and that's how it sort of.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the, the, not being able to see ourselves on screen, and it's interesting watching your film and then Maddie Dyer's Savage Christmas. Both of those are the first time that I've ever really felt that an Australian Christmas has been generally presented on screen, and what it feels like to be an Australian in around Christmas time. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent, and you know the powers, the the powers of we, unfortunately, we're a negative culture when it comes to filmmaking. The first conversation you have with any executive or anyone in some pseudo position of power is no, 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 right? Whereas you go to the States, yes, 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 right? So that might be hyperbole, but I'll take the hyperbole over the pessimism. And everybody told me there's no audience for this, blah, 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 and one of the streamers was uh, was interested, but they wanted to change everything about it. And I was like, if you just don't get it, that's okay. We're going to make it anyway. Um, thanks for your time. And I just stuck to my guns. And you know what? We even initially, when we pitched it to some Americans, some sales agents, they were the same. We've made the movie. We've got sales agents that think they can get it on a cinema next year in the US. And so all of these things that people said, aren't possible and nobody wants. It's now going to cinemas, a streamers picking it up before Christmas and people see this movie, man, and they just love it. It just speaks to people. It's the heart of the characters. It's the themes. It's truth, emotional truth. You don't get it anymore. Movies that are built on that are so hard to make and people miss it. They really do miss it, but they don't get up in the marketplace. And that's the hard thing for our film is if we can get people to get to the movies, because it plays so well in a community with people, it really moves them. So but most people I mean, I've been to a couple of screenings now with this movie. We're the only film that people have turned up to see and Napoleon's out. Like people aren't going to the movies. Like the cinema's down forty percent. It's huge. And soon that experience will go if people don't go back to movies and especially independent movies. It's just, the way you consume things are so different and a, a movie with audience it's it's more and a movie like this just speaks to you more way more than it does on your iPhone you know but that's the reality of the landscape I, I of the agree
0: movie. but you've been you know as we we're talking about earlier you're touring around with it and there's sellout screenings and things like that and then you've also just been to Austin where it's had a, a rapturous that's reception. Yeah. what's that experience like yeah. uh look
1: Well, there was a period of time there because we didn't get into it and it wasn't ready. And because I didn't really, I didn't actually care too much about film festivals with this movie. I was like, it's a Christmas movie. In my mind, like Christmas movies only have a period of time. Um, Even though it's not really a Christmas movie, but it's set at Christmas and that's how we're promoting it. Um, And I was like, well, that's not really going to matter because I'm going to bring it out at this period of time. If any festival sort of happen around that period of time then you know so be it so um but we didn't get into a couple of festivals here that and we weren't ready but i was surprised but then i realized there's politics evolved and i was like yeah whatever again it didn't really matter and then the austin guys which is a really great festival like they've never accepted any of my other films before really loved this movie and i went over with I knew the town. Everybody knows the town of Austin. All of America. I mean, have a lot of Americans have moved from all corners of the globe there because it's a new way of life. And it's just a different philosophy. I uh, just wish Australia was more like it. And there's this irony, there's this sort of, you know, stigma. I I guess it's not a stigma, but there's this fake reputation that Australia is like this Austin and everybody's like this. But Man, they have 400 live bands on a night in Austin and that's packed. There's only a million in the town. The festival was packed. Their main street is shut off Thursday to Sunday every night for bands and rebels and people. But it doesn't matter how old you are, what nationality you are, people are there for that. Reason. Um, So it was all – and filmmakers have now lived next. They don't want to live in Hollywood when COVID's happened. So some of my, like, guys that I just totally esteem and like, you know, worship, we're there and come into the screening and we're open and really accessible and just – it was the first – one of the few festivals I've been to where every movie I watched, like other filmmakers actually went on and every movie was just really good, but they just – but it was just a cinema experience and the people that they attracted they were like that. So there's Noah Hawley, there was Nick Polizento, Gavin O'Connor, and it's still all these guys. And there's no ego, no pretension, they're all just really accessible, even actors that I've met and all come to these greetings and love in the movie. And I was like, We don't have that in Australia and it's really disappointing. So it was great and it was I probably needed it because I was like, I'm getting some festival love and it's just to get an international festival that actually is really respected just before you release. So the timing, everything about the timing around this movie was worked out. But we went in with really good intention. So I do believe there's film gods, and I think the film gods are on our side with the film. Things just seem to be falling into place. Yeah. But it was, like, a great experience. And if I could go back, I'd go back. And I just wish we could actually emulate their philosophy in that city area. Right? Yeah. Because we have the population to do that. Um but that's another conversation
0: for an amateur. Exactly. And and it's the same, you know, I hear it so much from other filmmakers as well that you know filmmakers in Australia are disconnected and they need that support. And it's a huge conversation that we can't even begin to break down. But... I've,
1: tried, I, man, I've tried. And I've tried. I know. And I go and guess what? There's very few filmmakers that are turning up to and actors their names are in the credit they just
0: don't support you i mean and that's the thing is your work and the support that you give working actors and and people like on on polar opposites of their career i guess we've got steve and then we've got somebody like nicole who is an up and coming actress you you support people so deeply
1: and you well, work with it. You them have generally. to. Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, maybe because I've never had the support or a champion, and, and like everybody told me, you need everyone needs a champion. Somebody just pushing them and giving them their break, and i it. And I was always said, "Look, well, if I actually get to that position, I know how hard it actually is. I will do it, especially for good people." But I love, like, I love dance. I love art, and like eventually, it'll go away. They took the DVD store away, the store, the music store. So I just. I want to see my friends and people who make, you know, contemporaries or whoever, acquaintances in this country make great films and succeed because it's independent landscape. The ecosystem benefits. Everybody benefits. So, so I don't know, man. It's uh, I bashed my head against the wall plenty of times trying to change that, but it can be quite a selfish, you know, selfish business at some point.
0: It can. Let's talk about art then, because and I want to talk about Steve again uh, shortly. But art, I'm curious then what it actually does to you emotionally. What is the drive for you to create art?
1: You know what? My I often say my life would be better without it because my kids have come along and my relationship with art has changed somewhat um, because they take a lot of your time. And but I just you know what I, 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 I. it was in Austin, and then I had a few days in New Orleans, these areas that I've always wanted to go to and it was so close. So it was all about art and me. Uh, it was just me, and I got to just sort of give myself to what I love for a few days, which doesn't happen as much anymore. And it's just the only way I can explain it is I feel like you're really living when it's happening. Um, and it's incredibly stressful and incredibly difficult. But when it's happening, it's like I'm actually really living Um And my anxiety levels and all that sort of stuff is pushed to the side and I feel like, hey, I'm living. And it's kind of like when I spend time with my kids. And now part of what I do with the movies is to try and teach my children that the benefits of hard work and committing to something. So that's part of driving it now. It's like I can't really give up now because I don't want the kids to know that I'm a quitter or whatever. I want them to know that if you give something and you work hard enough, um with noble intentions, like good things come from that. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that's part of it. But with the art, whether it's music or whatever, it's like, you know, it's I feel like I'm living, you know. So I saw this band called Hound Mouth in New Orleans in the small little theatre, one of my favourite bands out of Alabama and never toured Australia and just happened to do a three-night residency for three nights that I was there. And I just went and I was like, Wow. There was that moment of I felt like I was really living in that period. Always chasing that. There is nothing like it. And it's not money. It's never been money. I grew up in Penrith and Mount drew I So we didn't have money. But the movies were my refuge and my escape. We had an independent cinema called The Astro. And I would go on Saturdays for double features after I played $4 and my two movies. And I would escape and I'd feel connection and I'd feel like, hey, it's okay to be lonely because that was that period of time where they were making those movies that were character-driven story on budgets that were speaking to me and that was my refuge. That was the escape. And it really hasn't changed.
0: And you've given Steve some great characters for his, you know, filmographies. He's done a lot of great films, but I think maybe broke and here with Christmas are two of his great actor characters he's been able to play. How did you first, encounter Steve and and were you familiar with his work or you've been friends with him for a long time and then additionally how did you create those characters with him well it's a certain temperament I
1: know his family I know his sister and brother-in-law really well just for teeth. I've worked with them um but I've known his work and i know his ethos too he's not this and he's a man with, you know who embodies this sort of I think he's sort of you know can invoke the regular australian man and and they're hard to cast but he's a cinema actor too he's got nuance and there's so much going on behind the eyes and we don't have a lot of we firstly don't have a lot of options and secondly for what i do he's not the kind of you know he doesn't need all the trimmings there's no ego he can sleep on the floor like floor he's kind of got the indie spirit even now he's getting older and if it's good work he'll just do it so that's really important when you're making a film too because the infrastructure and it's hard and stressful and he doesn't need all those trimmings. You know you're going to war together and he's got to step on. Um, so then we'd met. I'd seen some of his work. I'd seen he'd done a couple of these uh, smaller budget movies. and I really liked him in that. And I was like, there's, um, there's a side to him that he's never depicted. Um and we just connected and we grew up in the same hometown like the same sporting team he's obviously older and i was like man i'm gonna make this film and he he just really got it and he's smart you know darren Gilshin and smart actor never gets to do what he's what he can do we gave him the chance to do it and and hannah's a smart too so you just get the real artists you know there's there's not heaps of them around um but, yeah, once you got that camaraderie and there's a trust, I always say to Steve, I can hang my hat on him. Like I don't have to worry about him in a scene. I can go to everybody else and go, I know you got this. And it's just sometimes it's just a nod now and just maybe that. We don't have to have a 10-hour discussion. And when something's good, we don't have to sit around saying whose idea it was or how wonderful it was. That was cool, man. And then we move on. Yeah. Right? So, um which is with well, there's a humility there he's very generous to everybody else whether they're experienced or not so and that's very rare man so you hang on to that but uh, all the best directors use the same actors all the time and there's a reason for that.
0: So. What's it like being able to have that kind of build a career with him? Um well
1: it feels awesome like I I mean I kind of was the guy in school who always had the house party so I always wanted everyone to have a good time and then I sort of had a good time from it. So Oh, it's amazing. It's like, man, we're gonna do and you hang out because I actually love his company. We've got a running gag now with the crew and Steve and that's like, well, because we've all got kids and we're all lack of lack time, it's like we have to make a movie so we can hang out together. You know, like so it's like, hey, we've got to do this. Uh look, it's just um the best uh compliments that I get is when everyone says the actors are great. And that's when I think I've done my job. Because I make stories about human beings. So, so you need actors that are going to just, you know, capture that and and take ownership of it. And it's, once they're on song, it's my job to sort of stay out of the way and go, mate, we're going to do that, we're going to do that, and that's how it's going to play, and this is how I see it. And it's, you're sort of just letting it play, man. It's like Miles Davis is, this, you know, it's a space between the notes, right? So he gets that and those guys get that. But it's really pleasurable because you got to, you're watching it from the front row and like man, when people see this, they're gonna awesome. It's, uh um yeah, it's a family we've got now, it's really hard still a big well, I always said to Steve the other day, I said, man, I'd love if I could just get imagine like we were all on a TV show, but like a good TV show that we created and use all the great Australian actors that don't get to showcase what they can do. Like even Aaron Glenade, who does the monologue enough. our like there's so many great actors that we could do, we could make better, we could do better course we could do these things, but unfortunately, there's a, you know there's powers of be that they don't buy into that, unfortunately, and that's a real shame.
0: Let's talk about Darren though, because he's, as you're saying, like he's given a chance to do something that is not really something that we get to see very often on screen. He's usually, you know, the lighter character, uh, and he's wonderful here.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all theatre actors, right? So if you ever see them on stage, you go, man, if only I could just get half of what you've done on stage or on camera. So um, I saw Darren after our our play in The Caretaker, The Pines of Play, and he's phenomenal I'm playing. I was mad with mental health whatever, but, man, just floor the best things I've ever seen. So I knew he could just totally destroy this, and he just needed the opportunity to do it, Um you know it's kind of like robin williams really he's got the drama he can do the comedy in his sleep but there's real you know he's got some demons he connected to the material everybody did especially the themes of the alcoholism and whatnot um and they all get the subtext when they get the subtext that, and they're bright and they get it and they bring good ideas and he was just you know it was just it was it was just great to give him this opportunity to just go do your thing mate so And I think everybody's going to go, wow, you know. Um, And it was just, added just another, I said to him again the other night, I said, because he came in at the 11th hour, things happened and had to change cast and the film happened for the better. And I was like, you're just this guardian angel that came in and just took this movie. Um, I sort of, what it actually did is it actually made me revert back to my initial instinct. Um was two guys initially and then I went away from that and then I don't know what it was where we had some good um, film angels looking out for us and then Darren came in the 11th hour and just, man, it was it was great. It was really great. It was pleasure to watch. And
0: then let's talk about Hannah, of course. I mean, that's a great casting. She's really wonderful here. But how did that come about? What was the discussions? with her about well, acting in a film. Because,
1: mate, the, the hardest thing after making three films coming into this was, like, there's not a lot of Australian actors that actually have reach, and reach is a reality for you, but it just is. Um, so I was like, okay, we can't afford to buy the, the actors that actually do have some, some rooms. Nobody really can. And I was thinking outside of the square, but because Christmas, my Christmases have always been beyond music, um, and I was like, I really want a music component. Here. And then I was like, the idea of alcohol is music in mean, this halfway house and so many of my musician friends have got issues with substance abuse, mental health, and I was like, I'm going to write this character based on these people. But when I was writing it, I was like, oh, my God, I kept hearing her voice and seeing her like face. I was like, this is kind of hatter. If you listen to me, middle kids music, um, there's a lot of song lyrics about alcohol uh, and it's the subtext. And I was like, I think she might connect to this. And we are just, you know, Facebook friends and we've never really met, but I know she'd seen some of the films and and I had not a clue whether she'd be interested in making acting, but, you know, she's a performer and I knew she'd perform and, well, it's a musician and, you know, it wouldn't be a huge stretch you'd connect to it. And it was COVID. And I just thought, you know what? In COVID, the band's not touring. Um, Most of my musician friends are very frustrated. And so I just reached out there. I said, look, I've written this movie. And I've written it to you. Um, I don't know if you've ever had any intention of, like, acting. But I'd love to send it to you. And she's like, wow, you're crazy. But, yeah, send it. and Because not every day somebody wrote a movie for you, right? So, And then she reply within a couple of days, she goes, hey, this is really great. I really love it. Um I think I want to do it. I was like, well, first of all, we've got to get together and see if we can, you know, get along and we did a COVID meetup. And it was it was just conversations and discussing character and intent and subtext and whatever. We never really did reads or rehearsals. We just had a lot of conversations. Um, and then she went on her own bat and did a short course at NIDA just for camera because we were going to do it. I was like, well, maybe we'll just muck around with the camera a few, for a couple of days and you comfortable. Even though she's done music videos. She's like, actually, I'm just enrolled at NIDA to do the short course. And I was like, great. So she turned up to NIDA and most of the other students were middle really kids fans, right? And they're like, holy shit, how does it, that, that, that's just her. She's so cool. And, she worked so hard. She, like, it wasn't just, hey, and do this, but she didn't want to look foolish. It was like, I really want to do this. Um, and it was a huge risk because I was like, hey, you never know. with an unknown actor. We might turn up on the day. And then Darren came in, so there were two men. And, and it was like, there were, you know, cameras are rolling. There's all this crew. We'd had all these conversations. But the reality of it, it be pretty damn daunting. There's a lot of sitting around and then having the ability to turn it on. And she just meant, she just clicked the switch and was a natural. And I was like, wow, it looks great on camera. So I knew that already. And I was like, she's going to get people talking. And she was really into it. So each night in the hotel, she was writing music for the new record. So, and there's even a Christmas song on that. But, um, most of the songs in the New Middle Kids are out of in February. From the experience of making the movie, so um, I don't know if she wants to act again. I've written something else, and it's kind of for her, and it's a full music movie, and it's really great. Uh, I was was like, I'm never making another movie after this, but when you make a movie, you get an idea for a new movie, and it's like always happens. I was like, Hannah, I got this, and it's going to be like this. And So every day, it's like, and it's really cool. It's really cool. yeah, so hopefully that's next, maybe. It's a bit bigger. Um, but, yeah, she's a natural. Whoever she wants to continue doing it or not, I don't know. But, um,
0: she's really good. And, look, Australia needs more musical-focused films. We don't do musicals very often. Um, we don't do music-focused films very I often. don't know why. Because we know. actually Australian, no idea.
1: Australian <laughs> bands are in vogue and people turn up to see them. So yeah. the new film is kind of like um, a reality version of A Star is Born or or the Fabulous Baker Boys. So it's set on the Gold Coast Hotel Strip about the lounge lizard culture of musicians play hotels and no one gives a shit about them and you know, that whole community. And it's about an old legend musician guy and he's in a duet. His partner's passed away, so he's got to find um, uh, another partner to continue the band. And, uh, he has to get young yeah. girl and uh and she, it's this yin and yang's really great it's really i really love it and i've written like musicians you know everywhere play versions of themselves all themselves so um but it's getting some traction the government like it i pitched it a lot and people are like wow this is really cool and like the ending happens at um the and root festival and all that sort of jazz so but anyway um you never know touch mm-hmm. movies are uh one day at a time, mate. We say that in the movie and I say that about one day at a time.
0: Well, there there is a sense and, I, I, you know, this is a, probably a, a heavier question, but there is a sense with Christmas that, you know, it feels like you're giving everything here in a way that you, you did with Broke as well. There is so much of, of everything that you want to put on screen there. It almost feels like if this is the last film that I ever do, I've got to make it great. Was that the sense going into it?
1: A hundred percent because
0: I've
1: been saying that Um, it was for many reasons because you just don't, and it's, yeah, you know, i got to drive a lot of it and the climate and the world that we're living in, you just, I went in going, and especially with the other film that had fallen over and it's just such, it's such a slippery slope um, and that's the state of cinema now. So you just never know, I mean, especially the kind of stories that I want to tell too. So, I did go into this and I said to my partner and friends, I said, look, if I never make another movie, I, it's okay because I put every, my heart and soul in this movie. I'm proud of it. It's going to be the kind of thing that will license every year. So they'll have a life. And, um, but, yeah, there is a little bit of that. Um, but, again, when you do that, something comes from that, like this other film. Now that's like, hey, that's the one that I've got to make. you know. But I think. Maybe every filmmaker says that uh, at some stage, but you're right. Um, maybe because of the COVID world, some it's a strange time. I was like, okay, if it never happens again, um, that's okay. Because, you know, we, we did what I kind of wanted to say a lot, but hopefully that's not the case.
0: Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's not the case because I, I love what you do. Uh, I think that you... you but, know- yeah, you
1: know, there's a Docker that we're going to do. So, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't mind doing something... Uh, they're a little bit logistically easier. I mean, nothing's easy. Um, but yeah, you're less people, less money. Um, and it's just the stories are good and they're very human. So um I think that one of those, probably there's another one, will definitely happen. Um But yeah, it's something that I've written that's your heart and soul. And you know, you just don't know, especially like I'm closer to next year to 50 than 40 and can take time making movies so uh, um you just never know because life gets in the way now and you know uh, hopefully it's not the case when people get hey oh, you're gonna make another one it hasn't got it doesn't get any ease at least not for me
0: and uh, i guess as we lead into wrapping up i'm curious because you you do work as a teacher as well and i'm curious what you your work as a teacher has informed your work as a director as your work as a director and, and vice versa. Have you gone back to doing teaching and what have you learned from directing that you can apply to teaching? Oh, uh,
1: man, it's, it's the same. It is the same in so many ways. Uh, directing. If you're working with, you know, older people, such so mature age people, but you still got to lead. You still got to inspire. You still got to facilitate. It takes so much out of you emotionally. Um, you got to have that, switch off and on. Um, but directing and teaching in the right parameters can be the best thing ever. It's a human connection thing, again, right? So, but having the whole idea of having wisdom and sharing it with people that actually really want to um, learn—there's no better. That that's almost better than making films. Um, so, but you don't get to do that a lot as a teacher. Unfortunately like filmmaking, this it's a broken system in so many ways. Um but it is the same. It's like go, okay, hey I'm gonna be the teacher now. Hey, I'm gonna be the director now and then you gotta be this guy, you gotta be that guy, like you gotta be the producer, you gotta be this and the teacher's not just here's the stuff, i to be the teacher. Um you got to be the, the life coach for be their managers and actors and crew. You've got to like you take on the burden of all their problems um, and help them through it. Like and you're tapping into uh especially in the stuff that I make, tapping into some trauma, you know. So cause you're trying to get people, the actors to bring in that life experience to their characters. So you've got a real responsibility there. It's uh, it's, it's hate in a lot of ways. Um and so is and so is teaching. And it's that's part of the, when I go, oh, I never do it again because it's so exhausting. It's just, it's just really physically exhausting. But, again, it feels like living. Like, when I'm teaching films to young filmmakers who want to do it and they're dreamy, like, some of those days are wonderful because I feel like I was that kid once and that was the power of movies. Uh, again, but it's all the human connection. But, um, but those films aren't in vogue anymore. The marketplace the marketplace doesn't have the passion of the filmmaker that's the biggest problem they're just like bums on seats eyeballs whatever so um but yeah it's very similar and very exhausting um, so yeah you've sort of um you've got to you got to manage it and then when you have your own kids on top like it's you've only got so many hours in the day uh, um and and so much energy so you gotta really learn where to apply it um uh, i've been I heard a podcast with nick cage recently cage recently not nick cave and he's lost his years, but when he had his process and now he's lost them um and some older filmmakers that are am mainly friendlier with the old legends um what like john steele guys like that and Peter here and whatever they all live in uh they even say that a film is not as important as you can.
0: Yeah.
1: I try and involve them. So yeah, um yeah. maybe I'll make a kids film. That might be that might be the time.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, just like Christmas movies, we don't make very many Australian kids films. No. So. And I've
1: seriously started thinking about it because what do I do mostly now is watch kids films with my daughter. And she's got to the age where she loves E.T., original Jurassic Park. Like she doesn't even like contemporary movies. And I'm like, well, why don't you like them? She doesn't, but she still loves E.T. And it's, it's the emotion of it. She's five and gets the emotion of it. So I was like, there is a real, and I had a chat with the cinema owners who play the movie. Everybody keeps saying we need a kid's movie to get children. And even teenagers, the ones that I teach, they don't watch independent movies. They, don't, they hardly watch movies. They never watch Australian films. I teach kids that are like 12, 11, 10, never seen an Australian movie? Yep. No interest. That's the problem
0: yeah it's no a huge interest.
1: problem like a huge problem and the filmmakers and the producers that kind of run the, you know run the, the landscape here they're all getting closer to retirement age there's no network in place to continue that especially in the producing land like there are no young producers it's a very hard job and there's going to be nobody really to facilitate that and nobody's engaging kids do a good job with kids books Terrible job with movies.
0: Mm. It's yeah, and again, that's another huge discussion, uh, and it's what I but hear that's all the time. A whole lot discussion. Yeah, <laughs> that's a real
1: big problem. I've got friends in the UK that make films, and the UK government pay the filmmakers who are all broke everywhere around the world and have time on their hands, and they go and teach culture through screen to schools. British culture. Uh, when India filmmakers go to schools like we do, the kids authors and play movies and talk
0: well, yeah i mean i was reading a report a couple of weeks ago about the uh cultural literacy and art literacy in schools is just it's you know below 50% now across the board yeah. and it's it's terrible um i don't know how to fix it um i keep on doing what i do i i i don't know but as long as you keep trying that's the main thing <laughs> yeah It's awesome. Congratulations so much much to be proud of. Glad you liked it, mate. No worries. Take it easy.